I have a different Bible study for you tonight. And I'm not really, I'm not really here to unfold a biblical truth. However, what I do want to talk to you about um, I think is important. I'm, I remember the scripture, I believe it's in Ezekiel, Watchman, what of the night? You know, what of the night, Watchman? And that is, that's in scripture, that's my responsibility. I am the, I am the Watchman. And, uh, and whenever you look at it from that, in fact, if you go on and read in that scripture, it's, it talks about if the Watchman calls out and says there is danger, then if they don't abide if the people don't abide by the danger then it's on them however if the watchman doesn't call out and tell the people there is danger then they have to answer for their own sin but I'm also at fault and I have to answer for that as well so tonight I want to talk to you about this topic, remaining focused in troubling times. Remaining focused in troubling times. Because right now it's troubling times. Um, people are, are uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of assumptions being made. There's a lot of, uh, I don't know exactly what the word is that I'm looking for, but there's, there's so many things going on and people are coming up with their own opinions and, and then they're sharing their opinions and, and opinions begin to get people all worked up and, and everything. And what's going on in the world right now is enough by itself without us interjecting our own opinions into it. And, uh, and with that said, I want to just talk to you for a little bit. and I want to give you... And you can tell from my title and from the things that I've already said, I'm wanting to give you perspective on what's going on. And there's a lot going on right now in, in Israel, and in my opinion, there are end-time implications involved in this, if not directly, at least indirectly. And I think it's important for us to understand that. In this day of instant information, we're getting news reports almost as they happen. And, uh, and it's, it's not a good thing. Uh, the things that we're hearing is not a good thing. Uh, somebody asked, somebody said something the other day about, you know, Israel and, and what's going on. And, and will this, the news media and, and the war people are saying it's going to be a long battle. I don't think so. Not when you're God's people. And, uh, you know, I mean, you look at, you go back to the 1967, and we'll talk about that in a, in a few minutes. That was supposed to have been a long battle, too. Um, but it wound up being six days uh, because, and history records, there were divine interventions. Um, one particular instance that I can remember is the Egyptians were uh, trying to move in on Israel, and... Uh, they were in, in an intense battle, and Israel was outnumbered, highly outnumbered. And all of a sudden, the enemy threw down their weapons and took off running. Because later, and this is history, this is not, this, 
you can Google this stuff out. Um, because what they told was it wasn't Israel that they were worried about. It was that army of giants that was behind Israel that was fastly approaching. And they threw down their weapons and they took off. When God's on your side, you know, if the Lord be for you, <laughs> let me just use scripture. If the Lord be for you, who can be against you? Now, that's not to make light of the atrocities that are happening. I mean, beheading of babies and the things that are, that are happening. I'm not making light of anything, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned. But I want us to keep things in its proper perspective. While we won't and we should stay informed, we can also be distracted from God's given purpose, from our God-given purpose, uh, by the events we see unfolding. And at times such as this, there will be news reports and events that will spur much end-time preaching, and it should. And then with all of us having access to YouTube, Facebook, all these places, you do begin to hear these different preachers uh, expressing their opinions and uh, even some, some so-called prophets uh, begin to interject. I, I just want you... The reason I'm doing this tonight is I, I don't want people, people cowering in fear. I believe you need to be informed. And I, I believe you need to have both feet planted on the ground and know what you believe and know what your role is in this particular time. If we're not careful, we will lose focus and not be what God has called us to be. And, and that is a, is a the device of the enemy. He wants to distract us. He wants to, he wants to create situations to where that, that we, we lose our focus. We're we not sure what we're to do next. So it's in times like this that we must remain focused on what God has called the church to be and the task that we as individuals must fulfill. I remember clearly 1967, the seven-day or six-day Israeli war that took place, people everywhere was convinced that this was the end. Now, a good portion of our congregation tonight does not remember the six-day war of 1967. Um, some of you were, were babies, and some of you weren't even a dream yet. So uh, you, you weren't even here. But 1967, it was a very important time. And uh, in fact, as far as Israel was concerned, it was probably the first time since 1948 that, that Israel became the central focus of the world. That year, youth camp, in our youth camp at, at the campgrounds, that was back when we only had one youth camp. Now we got three. But youth camp that year was taking place on our campgrounds when this war started, the Six-Day War started. Brother Kershaw, he was an Arab by birth. Uh, he was preaching in our youth camp. And every night, he preached out of the Alexander Daily Town Talk. And I remember him talking about, and I don't know what Bob Wire that he was talking about, but he said if they ever cut that wire, it's over. He said, 
it'll be set up. The Lord will descend to, to the Mount of Olives and that'll be the end. People flocked to the altars. People prayed through. Uh, it was a great, everyone everywhere thought this was the end. Uh, the, you know, the, the, this is over with. Uh, January 1991, the United States and 39 other nations launched attacks against Iraq in the war that we now know as Desert Storm. Many thought at that time we were fast approaching the end in the prophetic battle of, of Armageddon. And there was much, and, and I can understand because there was much significance to that thought process because of so many nations being involved in the attacks. There were, I think there were 39 nations that came together in solidarity against Iraq and the things that they had done. Again, fear of the end time became the topic of many, even the news media. And I do remember a conversation from Fox News. And I believe it was Fox News, if I'm not mistaken. And the question was, would Desert Storm lead us to Armageddon? And you, you know, you'd think often that they want to keep Scripture and they want to keep God out of the mix. But I remember that roundtable discussion and, and they brought that up. Would this bring us to Armageddon? During that time, church attendance rose. Many received the Holy Ghost, and for many months, people lived in fear that this was the end. We were nearing 23 years since Desert Storm, and approximately 56 years, or we are nearing 23 years since Desert Storm, and approximately 56 years since the Six-Day War in Israel. And we're still here, church. We're still here. Now, I'm not saying the Lord's not coming. That's not the point, so don't walk out and say, that I'm, I think the Lord could come tonight if he, if he wants to. There's not a whole lot left to be fulfilled in Scripture. Um, much less to be fulfilled now than there was then. Okay? So let's keep that in perspective. But the point is, 23 years ago, Desert Storm, and 56 years ago, uh, the Six-Day War, and people thought this was it, and it didn't happen. Each of these accounts made many fearful of the end. The good part of this is that many were saved. The bad part, there's been a lot of people that have lost confidence in the fact that the Lord will return again someday because they lived through those times and they said, well, we thought that was it, and he still hadn't, hadn't come back. Well, again, in my opinion, the church is partially responsible for the results of society's lack of confidence in the soon return of the Lord. And, I be, and the reason I believe that is because there were many that stood in pulpits across the nation that took advantage of that time in order to see people saved. Well, there's nothing wrong with using what you got to use in order to see people saved. I used to say I didn't, give, I, I didn't care a bit about uh, scared religion. But I later decided that I'd rather have, you, have people with scared religion than no religion at all. You know, that's, that's important. Um, should, we be, should we be concerned about the events that are, that are happening around us? Yes. But we, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, are not to cower in fear. 
And we're not to lose focus of our call or our mission. Church, listen to me very, very, very carefully here. We are salt and light in a very dark world. That's who we are. We are the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus in this present world. Don't you ever forget that. There's no event that is going to take place. I remember 9-11, so as many of you as many of you do, and how that America came to a screeching halt over the things that was taking place. And the towers fell, the things that happened. Um, people everywhere, again, were cowering in fear. The church, that's not the church's, that's not the church's M.O. We're not to cower in fear. We're to, to move can I say it like this? We're to move into battle formation. It's time to reach the lost. It's time to, to pray prayers that need to be prayed. It's time to seek the face of God. It's time to be faithful to what God has called us to do. We should have been doing all of those things all along, and we'll talk about that in a, in a few moments. We should have been doing those things all along. But now that we are where we are, let's take what we know and, how, and what's going on, and let's mobilize the church, and the church become the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, doing what Jesus called us to do. That's what we're supposed to be doing. I asked the question of us tonight, what would Jesus be doing right now if he were here walking among us in bodily form at this present time? The things that's going on in Israel, the news that we're, we're hearing, uh, the things that are happening, how would Jesus be handling this? And of course, there's, there's as many opinions in this room about that as there are people. But still, we realize that Jesus would be handling this a lot different than most people would be handling it. The news media is reporting what they know. The prophecy preachers are assimilating the facts they find in Scripture to tell us how this event fits into prophecy. Then we as the church, we take all this information and we draw our own conclusion, or sadly, many let others draw their conclusions for them. Don't let people on Facebook and don't let people uh, on YouTube and don't let people on social media form your opinion for you. You be informed. Know what this says. Number one. Know what this says. I'm, I'm reminded of a scripture and this is not in my notes but I'm reminded of a scripture that he's going to come like a thief in the night. So that means everything's going to be kind of going pretty smooth. And he's going to come when people are very, when people are unaware that he's going to come. I know it's easy to look at, at what's going on, and I know it's easy to begin to listen to those that begin to tie prophecy together and think, oh, he's here, he's, he's going to come. And he could. He can if he wants to. That's, that's, not the, that's not the issue. But I also remember certain scriptures that point to the fact that I believe people are going to be relaxed instead of being focused on an end-time event. He's going to come when people are, are least aware that he's coming. And you say, well, why would the Lord do that? 
one of the reasons that I can that just come to my mind is we should be living every day as if he is coming today that's what the church should be doing we should be living like he's coming today and not wait until things get hectic and things get out of line and things go crazy you know it's and then all of a sudden we're ready to to get involved well for those of us that have waited on the fringes to get involved well now's a good time I'm not telling you you shouldn't get involved now no now now we should be stepping up to do what we should have been doing all along that's my point because of this many from our from the church world become anxious and they become fearful it's common for fear and desperation to grip the unchurched and the unsaved. However, that should not be so with the church. We should not be gripped by fear and desperation. So if you permit me to do so, let me give you what I feel are marching orders for the times we're living in. First of all, and of utmost importance, you must make sure you're ready if the Lord should come now. This is first. You're no good to anybody else until you know you're right with the Lord. Second Peter, you know, there's 10 verses here, and I'm going to read them from the NIV. I want you to hear what he, he's got to say, and because it, it, it does kind of parallel the events of, of our time. It says this, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life. Now listen to me. His power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. Remember that. We have promises in the word of God. So that through them, you may participate. Hear that word? Participate. In the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, the, word, the operative word there is increasing. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, in other words, working on them, and constantly adding to them, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past. Now, wait a minute. Verse 9 is important there. But if anyone does not have them, in other words, if, if you're not already living the life, then chances are you're nearsighted. 
and you're even blind. And yes, you will begin to respond with fear and desperation. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past. But here's verse 10. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. Regardless of what happens, regardless of what takes place, regardless of the circumstances, if you've done what Peter has said here uh, in, in this reading that I've given to you, if you've done those things, then you will not fall. You will be equipped for what's happening around us. Before you can be a benefit to the kingdom, you must make sure you're saved. Acts 2 and 40 says, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. I'll never forget the story, and many of you remember Brother Terry Riddick and he and Sister Cheryl had, was home on deputation. And I don't remember the sermon he preached, but I remember this story that he told. And he was talking about them being, uh, they were in the Cameroons uh, there in West Africa. They were missionaries there. And uh, they had taken the boys to the beach. And they had gone, and, and it was just, just them. There was nobody else around, and they were swimming. And they had started, they had gotten out a little too far. And uh, all of a sudden, Brother Terry realized that the, what do you call those, rip currents, yeah, was pulling them out. And he grabbed the boys and he began to just throw them in the air and throw them toward the bank. And he was going for Sister Cheryl and trying to help her because the rip currents had pulled them out. And he said, I, he said, I was hollering to my boys, save yourself. He said, because I didn't know whether I could save us. He said, it was pulling us out that fast. And he said, I'd grab them and I'd throw them as hard as I could throw them. That's where we are. You gotta make sure you're saved, okay? And I know that we look around at our family and we look around at the world and we look around at the situations around us, but you gotta make sure you're ready. That's, that's key here. If you're not ready, then, then, then that makes the rest of what I've got to say tonight of real, no concern to you. Because this is the most important thing, is you must make sure that everything in your life is lines up with this book the way that you've been taught. The things that this scripture has said to you and has spoken to you, and, and, and whether you've been saved, whether you've been baptized, whether you've, you've fulfilled the biblical commands of doctrine, that's, that's important. That has to happen. But then not only that, but your, your own life. How are you living? Are you living with the fruit of the Spirit active in your life? Are you, are you shunning the very appearance of evil? I mean, you know, that it's easy for us to, to really begin to look around us. And, and I, I've, I've harped on this so much lately, I almost hesitate to say it, but... We, we so quickly say, well, 
it's not that bad. The fact that the word bad is in there is enough right there to say get it out of your life. And not only that, there's some things that some of you feel convicted of that you shouldn't, and you say, well, I can't find it in Scripture. Well, if you feel a conviction, that means the Lord is, is doing something to you and He's trying to help you build barriers in your life that will keep you from heading in a direction that you shouldn't head. And not to hash over about my, my, my conviction on jewelry. I can't, but I can't tell my wife she can't wear a wedding ring. I can't tell you that. I don't have scripture for that. It, however, it's my conviction. And if I wore a wedding band and you, all of my watches are black, things are nondescript, but that was a part of me that had to die. I was the guy that, that wanted my name in lights. I wanted to have hit songs and I wanted... I wanted to be a household word. Those were the things that in my teenage, in my 20-somethings, in my 30-somethings, that was a part of me that had to die before I could ever become valuable to the kingdom of God. Now, I feel, honest, honestly, I feel certain that that, that part of my, my life has died. Uh, I, I feel that I have surrendered that kingdom to the Lord altogether. And the reason I think that is because here just a year or so ago, two years ago maybe, all of a sudden one day, and I haven't worn a wedding band since 1996. And all of a sudden one day, my hand, you know how you feel for your ring, with your thumb, and all of a sudden my ring wasn't there, and the thought that hit me, where's my ring? That's just last year or a couple of years that happened. When that happened to me over a span of about two weeks, two or three weeks' time, that happened to me two or three times. It hadn't happened at all since 1996 up until then. And Donna and I talked about it, and she made the statement. She said, well, maybe the Lord has released you of that. And I had thought about it. Well, I said, maybe, maybe that's the case. Maybe that area of my life has been subdued. And then I got to thinking, no, I've made it this far without it. He convicted me of it. It was an area of my life that he wanted to protect. That part of that ego that Bruce had had to die. So without fear of maybe it coming back, even if he's lifted that conviction from me, I'm going to go ahead and live the rest of my life without it because I don't want to tempt it. I don't want to tempt myself that that should rise back up within me. I'm no good to the kingdom if I'm not living according to his plan for my life. Neither are you. If there are inconsistencies in our life, we need to fix them. Okay? Now, I know I've sound, I've sound like I have taken a turn from my Bible study, but I am talking about remaining focused in troubling times. You can't help anybody spiritually if you are not healthy spiritually. Boy, y'all quiet tonight. King David in his prayer of repentance for his adulterous affair prayed this in Psalms 51. He said, purge me with hyssop 
and I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. He's talking about conviction there. Talking about the brokenness in his own life. Hide thy face from my sins. Have you ever felt that way? Hide thy face from my sins. Blot out, blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Oh, that's so that's important. Create in me a clean heart and a right spirit, and cast, cast me not away. Don't let my... This is Bruce, Bruce vernacular. Don't let my stupidity keep me from you. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Now here is what I want you to hear. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. You cannot be a benefit to the kingdom until you have put the things under the blood. That's, that's, so, that, that's so key. If there's inconsistencies in our life, let's get them right. Because even though I'm saying that, that I believe this that's going on right now will pass, Israel will, will, will win hands down. There's no, there's no doubt about that. I, I believe that with all of my heart. And I believe that things will come back somewhat. Now, it, from here to the end, it may not end at all. But does that mean the Lord is coming tomorrow or tonight or in two or three days? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. But from my place where I stand and knowing what I know about Scripture... I don't think that's the way it's going to happen. I think things are going to level out again. And then the Lord's going to come. So here's my point. Get your life right. Make sure that you are right. There's some of you that, have, that used to live by certain convictions and you've let those convictions go. I'm just being the watchman on the wall, okay? And you've looked around at others and you've seen what others are doing and you're wondering why you can't do it. And so you started doing it. Well, it could be to your detriment. You need to make sure that you're not where I was with the jewelry thing and the ego thing that I had. I don't know what, God, what wall God is building in your life. I know there was one sweet lady in our church that received the Holy Ghost many years ago. She's dead and gone now. But she, she had had the Holy Ghost for a year. And she had gone to camp meeting and, or maybe women's conference or something. I don't know what it was or we were, we were getting ready to go uh, to camp meeting. or women. I think it was just prior to the event. And she called Sister Briggs up one day and she said, Sister Briggs, would the ladies in our church be upset with me or think I was trying to be super religious if I quit wearing my little earrings? She didn't notice that 
Our ladies didn't wear earrings. She'd been in church a year and hadn't, had never even noticed it. And Aunt Burnell told her, said, oh, Bob, no. <laughs> Nobody's going to think you're trying to be super religious. She said, I've just been feeling guilty about it. Now, I, you know, I, I'm telling you, check your convictions. Check your convictions. I know of another lady that received the Holy Ghost in this church. She didn't know anything about Pentecost, what Pentecost had taught through the years. She, she had no clue about any of that. But when she got home and opened her closet and looked in there, and there was all of her blue jeans in there and her pants that were in there, in her heart immediately, and her testimony to us was, I knew I could never wear them again. And she didn't know anything about what Pentecost taught. That was a personal conviction that the Lord laid on her. I'm telling you, being focused in troubling times, take your ear and find out what he is saying to you. That's why I have said so many times through the years, every conviction you have does not have to be backed up by this book. There may be things he requires of you that he will not require of the church. But he requires it of you and he requires it of me. For the simple fact to keep us from heading towards something that could eventually destroy us. It's not that thing that is a sin. It's what you, it may lead you to that will become a sin. Do you still love me? I, I, I had to say it. So this leads me to the second thing that we must become immersed in. <sighs> BL, I wish you wouldn't keep advancing that clock. It's your fault. The second thing that we must be immersed in is the lost. That's important. Matthew and Luke both recorded in their perspective gospels Jesus' mission. Jesus said this, For the Son of Man is to come to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his mission. Lost humanity is the only reason, listen to me, lost humanity is the only reason Jesus came to this world and he was consumed with his mission. Mm. I feel some things in the spirit right now. Matthew 9 said, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. John 4, 35 says, Say not ye, there, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. The mission of a spirit-filled believer is lost humanity. Just as Jesus was consumed with this, this mission, then so should we. That's our mission. If you are the mindset that we should be praying more because of the end time signs, I will say I agree. 
But I don't think the purpose of our prayer should be that we are rapture ready. That's not the purpose of our prayer. Rather, our prayer should be that those that we are responsible for are ready. That's the prayer. I mean, if you've got lost family, it's, it's time to, to hit your knees for lost family. It's time to, to, to weep before the Lord over, over lost souls. It's time. Because if they're already adults, you can't make them live for God. And on top of that, as, as parents, you need to make sure that your children are in the house of the Lord every opportunity that, they, that you can have them here. It's important. These things are important. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And even more so, as you see the day approaching. In other words, as we see the end time coming on us, it's even more important for us to be faithful to the house of God. And, I, and we've got a great crowd tonight, so I'm not, I'm not disappointed because if we brought all of our youth in and we brought all of our children in tonight, we'd have a Sunday morning crowd here. So I'm thankful for that. But let's not get comfortable Let's not become distracted. Let's not, not, let's not let the little things keep us out of the house of God. The Lord is about to return. He is coming and He is coming soon. I haven't preached tonight that the Lord is not coming. What I am preaching tonight is let's be focused in troubling times because there's still a world out there that needs to be saved. And it's mine and your responsibility to see that that happens. Amen. Amen. If you're going to cry out to the Lord because of your fear of the end, then cry out for the souls of mankind. Now, if, if the Lord moves on you to intercede over spirits and things that's happening over Israel and all, all of that and those things, fine. Yield to that and intercede. But don't be upset if the Lord's not calling the rest of the church to do that. Because we can't all be focused on that. There's still a lost world around us. There's people that still got lost children. There's, you got lost co-workers around you. There's people that are depending. In fact, some of them are, are really watching you right now because they're not idiots. They know what's going on in the world. They know that there are end time implications to this. And not only that, there is something built into us that is a spiritual radar. And I don't know if you have felt the pressure of it over the past few days, but there is a great disturbance going on in the spirit world right now. And if, if we as Holy Ghost filled believers feel it, I also think that those that are not filled with the Spirit of God, they're also feeling that something's going on. Because what happens in the spirit world directly affects what happens in the natural world. quit moving that clock once your sins are under the blood then your mission is others whether Jesus comes in the next 24 to 48 hours should not be a concern to you now I know I know that's that was just a wild statement for me to make yours and my concern should be for those that are not ready 
The third thing I feel that is important in this particular time is our focus on our priorities. First, we must be ready at all times. We talked about Second, we must be in the harvest. Third, we are not to become anxious. Rather, we are, as Jesus said in Luke 19, 13, occupy till I come. That's what we got to do, occupy till I come. In other words, go about your daily duties. You still have a job you must go to. You still have a family to take care of. There are responsibilities that you have and and you must face them. We don't close up and draw inside ourselves in a time like this. I remember back during Desert Storm, there was a group that made national headlines. They all were selling their houses, selling their cars, and there, there was this particular mountain somewhere out west that they were all going to because they felt that this was the end and they were all going to that mountain and they were going to stay in prayer 24 hours a day until the Lord came. That way they would be ready. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think it was meant to be that way. We don't close up and draw inside ourselves. If you've been filled with his spirit and you are living in relationship with him to the best of your abilities, then don't worry about the end. Okay? I know that I know I'm kind of I'm kind of messing with some of his theology. The end, look, don't worry about the end. The end will take care of itself if you're if you're living like you're supposed to be living. Remember years ago a particular church, uh, one night in their service, they got so caught up in, in, in the rapture and the preacher had preached that they had rapture practice. No, this is a true story. I know some people that were involved in it. They stepped up on the pews and at the sound of a trumpet or whatever they, noise that they made, they jumped off of the pew. I'm sorry. You don't have to be in practice for the rapture. Rapture's like life. The, the Holy Ghost is like life insurance. When you die, life insurance pays off if you've kept your if you've kept your bill paid. The Holy Ghost is the same identical way. If you, whoo, I feel the Holy Ghost. If you are living for the Lord the way you're supposed to be living for the Lord, when he comes in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, whether it's at midnight or in the middle of the day, you don't have to be in rapture posture. You will just automatically go. Ah. Your concern and my concern is the mission of Jesus. And the mission he's given to us, when the trumpet sounds, and I've just covered that. If you have concern, be concerned for those that are not ready. That's where your concern should be. Because if they are not his and he is not theirs, then they will be left behind. Dear Lord, that is a frightening thought to me. To look over, and when you read Scripture, and Scripture talks about that there will be a man and woman in bed, and all of a sudden, one is gone, and the other is left. Two working at the meal, one is gone, and one is left. 
I mean, you can, you can go through that, that passage. Each of those is, is very frightening. Just think about how you would feel if you are in your house. You and your spouse are sitting in the living room. You're having a conversation and immediately right in front of your eyes, they are gone. You knowing what you know and know what has just happened. What are your feelings at that moment? If you're left behind. We better be ready because that event is about to take place. Maybe I shouldn't say this next line, but I've been pretty, pretty bold tonight anyway, so I, this next bullet point says, get your act together and be about the Father's business. Quit vacillating over whether this is right or whether this is wrong. Or Look, if there's a question, get it out of your life. Hearing him say, well done, my good and faithful, is way more important than pleasing the world or pleasing anybody else. And here's another thing. If he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful, then you better have you should have lived well. It can't be well done unless it's well done. And my good and faithful, you can't, you can't be called good and faithful if you've not been faithful. And the Lord will not lie. So get your act together. Church, it's time for us to quit messing around. If you've been, if you've, if you've been running around the fringes, then it's time to stop. Get involved. Get the world out of your system. I'm preaching to me too, okay? Be aware of the time, but don't be consumed by the time. The only thing I'm consumed with is Him and what He has sent me to do. When He commissioned you and I, when He filled, filled us with His Spirit, when He did that, he asked us to do what he did for three and a half years. He gave us the Great Commission. Go into all the world. That's what the church is supposed to do. Acts 1 and 8, and you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses in Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, he didn't name Grant Parish or Bentley, but he did say uttermost. So in case you don't realize it, you live in uttermost is where you live. You work in uttermost too. Hmm. I feel the Holy Ghost. I do. It's 759 and it's all BL's fault. So... Won't you stand with me? Um, I, I, and I, I, I can't just pray a dismissal prayer after a message like this. I, I think we, we need to, to bend a knee. We need to ask God, Lord, you know what? If you'll just ask him to point out the deficiencies in your life, you will begin to see them. 
when you do that, he will perfect in you those things which concerns him. That's scripture. That's scripture. Perfect within me those things which concern thee, O Lord. But thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. Our God is a good God. And I, and I hope I didn't offend anyone in anything that I said. I just want you to be ready. I'm the watchman on the wall. God bless you.